Find other great podcasts like this one at podmoth.network. Hey there, fellow true crime aficionados. We're the host of Bad Axe, a true crime podcast. I'm Danielle. And I'm Aaron. Join us every Thursday for twisted true crime tales of dark deeds and despicable people. We focus on lesser known unique stories with a new case each week. We've covered family annihilators, cannibals, revenge killings, killer kids, mysterious murders, survivor stories, and much more. We've even tackled stories of people who blame zombies, vampires, ghosts, and voodoo for their bad acts. Of course, we know they're the only ones to blame. You can find us everywhere you get your podcasts, or you can visit our website at badaxpod.com. If you like fresh stories and new perspectives on crime, Bad Axe will be your new jam. Join Bad Axe every Thursday. Stay safe, y'all. See you soon. What's up, you guys? I'm Catherine. And I'm Haley. And we are Saturdays over the Ghouls, a Podmouth podcast. How are you, Haley? I'm great, Catherine. How are you? I'm good. You sound like an AI. Have you seen those AI TikToks lives where they're like, oh, the room smells so good. Yes, Catherine. I have. I, I, I have. Uh, thank you. Thank you for the glizzy. Thank you for the roses. Put them over here. Dude, people are making hella money off that shit. I'm like, sh- we we should be doing that. Yeah. Okay. okay. So here's the thing. I I can't go live on TikTok. I can't be like, yeah, I got this money because sat inside of my webcam and said, mm, bluffy. Thank you for the roses, Daddy. Bro, I saw the I saw this one where it was this girl like dressed up as like a Victorian child, and her AI was like sick Victorian child, and I was like. What the fuck? But one of the ones that I actually do kind of actually like watching, I've seen her a few times, but this TikToker that dresses up like a barkeep, but like in like a Renaissance or like a Skyrim one. And I yes. love that one. Yes. Yeah. I've seen that one. They're like, oh, thank you for the roses. Put them over here. <laughs> and then when they order food, or- they're like, all right, two corn dogs, <laughs> one glizzy coming up. <laughs> yeah. I just, so here's, okay. So, not only would I be so embarrassed to tell anybody that I know, but also I would be like shot in the fucking heart if no one ever joined my live and gave me money. <laughs> You're just there like, like I'm just sitting there like Donaldson, like a AI. And it's just like, just like loading. 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 I would like, watch yeah. her live. But would you give me things to I'm like, mm, thank you for the rest <laughs> Yeah, to spend money on me. Okay, I'll spend money on you, baby. Dang, dang. <laughs> I was also thinking, like, maybe if I did it with a person, like we we like we did like a, you know how like two people can go live at one time in the same live. Mm-hmm. If we like did it together, but I don't know anybody who has a thousand followers, and you have to have a thousand followers to go live. Or else I would do it with you, and we could split whatever. I mean, you would get your glizzies, and I would get mine. You get more glizzies than me. I'd be like, oh, I think we'd get the same amount. None. None. <laughs> Zero. <laughs> the other thing is that people who do that are, as far as I've seen, for the most part, unless they're playing a, a character, are conventionally attractive. And I'm sad. 
I know I'm not. I'm not conventionally attractive. So I just, I feel like it's not going to work. It's the same way. Like, I will, I don't think I'd make $8,000 in an hour. Like some of these girls. Sure. I was like, we as, even though we aren't the beauty standards of attractive. Choosing words very carefully. Okay, go ahead. I would say that we don't fit in beauty standards like we don't. Unfortunately. But we are beautiful. We have great personalities. We're so funny. You were were supposed to be like, yeah, we are beautiful. You're beautiful. You're beautiful. Hello. Look, I'm wearing my absolutely not shirt. Absolutely not. We're not doing Isn't it crazy that that I found a shirt that said absolutely not when I say that all the time? You do. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Speaking of absolutely not, Haley, what are we talking about? Literally has nothing to do with what we're talking about. Has nothing to do. I just don't know how to segue. I mean, I guess the situation at hand in this movie is an absolutely right. not. Doesn't absolutely not. Nope, right out of there. You nope. know what? That's it. They tried really hard to nope right out of there. Listen, they, they had nothing. There was nothing they could do. Exactly. After they went exactly. through, they, there was nothing they could do. The puppeteers. Really? But anyway, as you guys can probably read what we're talking about today uh, it's horror movie week guys Catherine finally gets a break anyway we are going to be talking about the cabin in the woods Catherine, i yes. want i want the best juiciest Catherine's most chaotic synopsis and go and go oh, okay this girl we'll call her virgin right she and her friends, we'll call them floral scholar athlete. Sure. Anyway, they go on a little camper out into the woods to one of their cousins' scary little cabin in the woods, right? How fun. Friends trip. Having fun, whooping it up. And they go into a tunnel and come back out. And they're in the woods. They're at the cabin. They're having a good, grand old time. And this cabin is a little crazy. It has some one-way mirrors. And it has some artifacts underneath. They pick an artifact. And they read the thing. And then there's death. 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 Just kidding. And then, well, that is kind of like a worldly death at the end. Kind of like a million people die at the end. The end. Yeah. Good job. I don't remember any of their names. Really? I truly don't. It's a good thing I have a list right here. You could, you could bet anything and you would know that I don't remember anyone's name. You Wait. don't remember? Not even the fool? Stoner guy? Damn. Is it Kenny? Okay. No. Hmm. Anyway, thank you, Catherine, for that. It was chaotic enough. Death, 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 death. Just kidding. Is it also like actually it's death, 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 death? Just kidding. Yeah, I mixed it up. So the synopsis I will read from our wonderful people at Google. All right, the synopsis is: When five college friends arrive at a remote forest cabin for a little vacation, 
Little do they expect the horrors that await them. One by one, the youths fall victim to backwood zombies, but there is another factor at play. Two scientists are manipulating the ghoulish goings-on, but even as the body count rises, there's yet more at work than meets the eye. Cool. Good job. Good job, Google. You know, I think they should have just cut it right before the scientist part. I think so, too. But the scientist part is, like, in, like, the second scene. I mean, like, you get... It's literally the first scene. Oh, the first scene. Yeah. (laughs) But I'm saying, like, yeah. It's not like it's a big reveal. You know what I mean? Sure. If they had, like, made us think that all this time we were watching this horror movie of one thing, and then they, like, big revealed, like, oh, my gosh, it's actually this group of people who are doing whatever, right? Then I would probably have left it out. But since it's in the beginning, I probably wouldn't have. True. It just starts playing, and you're like... You might be like, am I watching the right movie? Yeah. Like... That's exactly what I was just saying. Like when you watch 28 Days Later instead of 28 Days, you know, the zombie movie instead of the Sandra Bullock rom-com. Oh, I didn't know there was a rom-com. Of course you didn't. No. If it's not blood, guts, and awful, I don't know about it. Truly doesn't, like literally doesn't have any recollection of any movie that's not horror movie. Hey, I know some movies. I know some. Name one. Breakfast Club. That's a dead one. Yep. Yeah. Isn't it really a horror? Just kidding. <laughs> the horrors of high school. No, uh, I honestly, I don't know what it was. I watched a lot of like rom com movies, but it was like Nicholas Sparks. So, like, I've seen The Notebook, I've seen The Last Song, I've yeah. seen The Best of Me, you know? I haven't seen that one. That's so good. I've seen The Last Song and The Notebook and Weird John. So, that's the difference is that those aren't rom coms, those are just romance movies oh i've seen romance movies because that's what i'm saying it's like rom-coms are like just friends you've seen that right with ryan reynolds Uh uh-huh yes that's when he's like fat yes yeah (laughs) yeah i've seen that one that's a that's a rom-com because it's funny it's a romantic comedy rom-com anyway i digress i don't care if you've seen any movie or whatever you're my best friend still see i i cover the dark and the gritty side. You're the the sunshine and rainbows. And... Except for I kind yeah. of seep into the other side too. But... You do. You're very seeping. I think that I'm a very good horror movie watcher. Because I don't think I close my eyes or anything. Like, if you're like in that aspect, I'm a good horror movie watcher. Like, I don't need to turn away and I don't need to jump every time something scares me. Back in. All right. So the cabin in the woods. <clears throat> It was released April 13th. Weird day. Maybe it was a Friday? Yeah, it would be Friday the 13th because movies are released on Fridays. Well, there you go. Add a little... Generally. (laughs) Add a little spook factor. A spook. All right. I'm going to double check while you're talking. It was directed by Drew Goddard, and this was his directorial debut. It was Friday the 13th. Yeah. The screenplay was by Drew Goddard and Josh Whedon. Good job. Mm-hmm. I really thought um, I wrote that, though. There were some lines in there that you definitely could have wrote. Okay, so I, okay. To be fair, I have seen it before, but you know me. I 
It's sure as shit don't remember any of those lines. Barely remembered the cast. Literally, as we were watching the movie, guys, she was like, oh, yeah. Like, it's like coming back to her as we're watching. Literally, um, Chris Hemsworth comes onto the screen and I go, Hemsworth is in this movie? And that's oh, like yeah. the first 10 minutes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Anyway. But does, does Joss Whedon sound familiar to you at all? Yes. Yeah? Wait, where is he from? Do you, do you actually not know? Do you actually not know? No. But Joss Whedon sounds familiar, yeah? Yes, so familiar. Okay. Well, one thing that he is definitely from that we both have a lot of interest in currently uh-huh. Uh-huh. and before, he is the creator of Buffy. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I was guessing. So, fun fact about this movie, when I heard, I, I remember Josh Whedon, like, I remember the name, I knew he did Buffy, because you always see it in Buffy. So, it's just mm-hmm. always been kind of there, and I, and it's a weird name. Yeah. It's an odd name. It's not like mm-hmm. Jack, sure. Something basic, Wait, you know? it's actually Josh, right? It's Joss. J-O-S-S. Yeah. So, it's not, it's not like a basic name, like, it's not a common name. It's always been kind of there in my brain mm. and i remember when the cabin in the woods came out and it said that it was by joss sweden and i was like oh my god because i love buffy right like that was one of my favorite shows and i was like i love this guy he's actually a piece of shit but yeah, yeah i i hate that he is the man he is <laughs> and it's all because his ex-wife came out and and did all the tea and then that caused all the other people that worked with him to come out and talk about how awful he is. So, um, never meet your heroes. Nope. In um, fact, just don't ever learn anything about them ever. Just know that they made your favorite show and like, just yeah, you're gonna, you can't, you can't do it. No, you're gonna. End Everyone's up a piece of shit. Yeah. So Drew and Joss, they both worked on Buffy. And then they worked very well together. So then they created Angel, which, you know, is the spinoff of Buffy. Yeah. And again, they were also like, damn, let's make a movie. And so they created this movie. They wrote it in three days. Wow. It seemed like, okay. I did feel like there was not a lot of dialogue. There's not. Because, I mean, a lot of there is, but, like, it's more of, like, Jokes happening. Jokes, yeah. I don't know. It's very satirical. Yeah. Which is what they were going for, so good job. But the budget for this film is $30 million. This is our favorite part of the episode. How Uh much do you think it made, Catherine? Would it make its money back? Yes. Okay. It cost $30 million to make. I think it's made $200 million. Too much. Too much. Too much. I thought it was very popular when it came out. Okay. 87 million. Less. Hmm. 52 million. Okay. Okay. It's a little more. Where am I? Where am I? It made 66.5 million. Wow. They couldn't have made it 66.6 because that would have been funny. That would have been funny. Okay. So, as you said previously, you don't remember their fucking names. Like... Absolutely not. Uh, I barely remember their names until I did the research. 
The only one that I specifically remember, I remember Jules. Okay. Just because they say it so often. Uh-huh. And then Blanca. Marty. Marty. Okay. So anyway, we got a little bit of a star-studded cast. Just a little bit. Okay. But like in their infancy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So we got Christian Connolly, and she is our main protagonist. She plays Dana Pol. I would have never guessed Dana. But anyway, so we got Dana and a college student, is all it says. And she is portrayed as the virgin. We'll explain that more later, I guess. Yeah. And then we got Chris Hemsworth. He plays Kirk Vaughn. And he is specifically a sociology major and a football jock. And he's designated as the athlete for obvious reasons. Wears his jersey in the movie. Everything. Then we have Anna Hutchison, who plays Jules Luden, and she's a pre-medical college student, also Kurt's girlfriend, and she is designated as the whore. And then we have Franz Kranz, who plays our boy, Marty. He's just a college student as well, and he's designated as the fool. Mm -hmm. He's the stoner kid, you know. And then we have Jesse Williams in his infant days. Yes. He played Holden McCree. And he is Kurt's football teammate. And he is designated as the scholar. Jesse Williams also is in Grey's Anatomy, as well known. And then the two scientist guys, as mentioned in the synopsis, we have Richard Jenkins. And he is Gary Sitterson. He's one of the technicians. And then Bradley Whitford as Steve Hadley, another technician. Now, I wrote a few things about each one. I know Catherine likes when I do this because then yes. she's like, yes. Yes. Okay. So one common thing I did see among most of them is a lot of them were in soap operas. Oh, okay. Strange. But yeah, Kristen, uh, she was in Guiding Light and As the World Turns. Okay. She was also in the horror movie The Bay with those mm. little creatures that go inside your body. Oh, okay. I only wrote that one down because I thought you said you watched it and you really liked it, but I can't remember. I, I, I seen have it seen once. it, but I don't remember. She's also in House of Cards, the show. Oh, okay. And a bunch of other like smaller like TV roles and everything, but that was like the main ones. Mm-hmm. And then obviously our boy Chris Hemsworth. He's, he's fucking, in fucking Thor. everything. He's Thor. Yeah. You know. Yeah. He was also in a soap opera though, and because he's from Australia. He was in an Australian soap opera called Neighbors. So I thought that was interesting. Uh-huh. But you know, he is obviously one of the world's highest paid actors. Shocker. Okay. Yeah, shocker. I don't get um, so I don't get the the hype around Hemsworth. I mean, it's the accent and they're oh, hot. Yeah, okay. But here's the thing. I almost never relate them to having an accent because they always have English accents in everything they've done. No? I mean, true. I mean, I don't think of them having accents. I do sometimes think of Liam Hemsworth having an accent because I've seen him more in, like, interviews and stuff. The same thing that, like, all the Chris's, I get them all mixed up, like Chris Evans, Chris Hemsworth, 
Chris Pine, Chris Pratt, like they, they're all kind of like meshed together into one. Mm-hmm. All the Hemsworth kind of meshed together too for me. That's fair. They're just like all one blur of like white man. Exactly. They're all interchangeable. It's the same thing, the same problem I have with Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. Brad Pitt and Matt Damon. Yeah. And then Anna Hutchinson, she was also, she's from New Zealand. Uh, she was in a New Zealand soap opera called Shortland Street, which is also in Spartacus. Okay. Anyway, and then we have our boy, Fran. Fran Kranz. So he, he was in the movie Donnie Darko and The Village. Oh, by M. Night Shyamalan? Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. And he's, more of his recent stuff, he, because we don't, he actually doesn't do that much, like, acting-wise, but he had his directorial debut in 2021. Okay. It was a Sundance, like, indie film called Mass. Okay. Is it horror or is it what? So I I did read it because I anticipate uh-huh. your questions. Okay. Thank you. So I'm like, okay, she's going to ask me what it's about. So from from what I read about the movie, I got bored. Sorry. But it, it oh, literally no. like, I, I'm sorry. I mean, it's probably some good, big influential film that probably means a lot to people. But I was just reading it and I was like, it sounds like, a short part i'll probably have to watch it to fully understand but when i was reading it it was like a long ass thing for when i felt like was like 20 minutes like like a film could only be like 20 minutes but it's a full length film so long story short it's these these two families their kid gets killed at the school it's a whole like political stance against like you know, guns, mass shootings, all that. Yeah. 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 So that part is fine. Mm-hmm. But the the way that the movie made it, or when I was reading it, it was like the son that died and then the son that actually did the shooting of the of the other family was also like a bully to this kid and like killed this kid specifically, and then killed himself. And then it was like the families, the whole movie was like the families like talking to each other basically is what i got from it and they were like dealing with the trauma the aftermath yeah right of everything and that's that was it okay. that definitely okay so because of the sensitivity of the subject i'd say it definitely has to be done correctly yeah but also like it's not a good it's not good when in the blur you're already like falling asleep like you know what i mean yeah that <laughs> it's probably more of like a like an activist piece or something more so than like wanting to be entertaining. Right. Then it'd be you know fine. I mean? It'd be great. Yeah. But it's also like his first directorial debut, which I think is crazy. Yeah. That it's a big it's project. That, yeah. That it, that's, that's a very like big controversial topic. Yeah, for sure. And then he's also, he does Broadway. He was on Broadway for a few Oh, things. cool. Okay. And we got we got the our boy Jesse Williams, of course that I said already. He's notable for playing Jackson Avery on Grey's Anatomy, which I have never seen an episode of. Me neither. 
I know that's very controversial to say. <laughs> I've never seen Grey's Anatomy. At this point, I don't think I could commit to another 20 season long series to watch. There's so many episodes. There's so many There's seasons. There's so many bro. seasons. Anyway, sorry. Okay, so we got Jesse Williams. Yes. And, you know, he was in Grey's Anatomy. I only wrote this because I, it's kind of funny later, but uh, he was in Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants, too. Oh. <laughs> I used he to plays, love at least the first one. He plays Leo. Oh. Okay. I don't know who that is, but... I don't think I watched the second one, to be honest. I haven't seen those movies in years, so... Um, I think I watched the first one, and I used to read the book all the time. But couldn't tell you about the second one at all. And then we got our, our two scientist boys, Richard Jenkins. I only remembered him because he's the dad from Step Brothers. Yes, yeah. Uh, and then our, our, our last boy that I wrote about, Bradley Whitford. Uh-huh. He... Was in Billy Madison. Okay. Yeah. He plays Eric. The, the fucking asshole guy that's trying to take the company from... Yeah. And then he was in Get Out. Oh. He was... He was the dad? He was the dad. Yeah. He's... Okay. And this is why I wrote down the thing about Jesse Williams. Yes. Bradley Bradley Whitford was in the first Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. Oh. So he was probably a dad in that. Yeah, he's one of the dads. And then one honorable mention, I will say, Sigourney Weaver's in this movie. Yes. Surprise. Surprise. If you don't know who that is, I don't know what to tell you. There's no hope for you. Sorry. She, yeah, she's in, she's very big actress, especially in the 80s, bro. She was in Ghostbusters. She played Ripley in Alien. Like, mm-hmm. come on. Yeah. Iconic. So that's just a little, like, background of all of our little, like, only some terrorists. of the actors. Yeah, Most of only them. some of the actors. Listen, so the whole premise of this movie, she's these five friends. They go on a trip to a cabin in this big RV. And all five characters are, like, stereotypical of something. It's like Dana. She's this major and final they- girl. Yeah, she's innocent and whatever. And then her best friend, who's Jules, she is like, blonde. she just dyed her hair blonde. She's very stereotypically like dumb. And then she's dating the jock, who's Kurt. Yeah. And, and then Kurt's friend, Holden, they're trying to hook Dana and him up. And then they have the, the comic relief friend, Marty. He's the stoner guy. Probably a dropout, honestly. But but Kurt gets this message from his cousin. Doesn't go any further in detail than that, but has a cabin out in the middle of fucking nowhere where there's no cell phone service. Whatever. They're like, oh, let's go have a weekend. Go have a weekend to ourselves, right? Right. So they go out and it's super sketchy. It's a one road in, one road out like situation. And they get to this cabin, and then meanwhile, like, in between, we're also seeing, like, this underground, like, technical facility control room with the scientists, and there's just a bunch of people, and then they're talking about how all the other countries have failed, and they're like, only Japan and the U.S. are the last two, and we're like, I don't know what the fuck that means, but okay. 
They're in this cabin. They play truth or dare. Basically, this cabin is not what you think it is. It's not the people downstairs. The scientists are like manipulating the environment to basically make the five teens or the young adults or whatever do what they want them to do. And they cause, like, while they're like having a good time playing truth or dare, this like door opens to the this like attic, like basement cellar thing. And in this basement cellar thing, there's a bunch of different little objects and all five of them go down there and they have to, basically, they have to pick something, whatever they pick chooses what monster or thing is going to kill them. Okay. And all of this plot to this, we find out at the end, is part of this prophecy to keep the old gods, like, that used to roam the, the earth thousands and millions of years ago down below. They're basically sacrificing. They have five sacrifices. The whore, the mm-hmm. fool, the scholar, the virgin, and the athlete. And the whore has to die first. Other than that, the order doesn't matter. And the virgin has to die last. And the virgin is the last. She can either survive or die it doesn't matter but unfortunately for these five they choose dana starts reading this diary and it's about the buckner family who were the original owners of this cabin supposedly Mm -hmm. and that's the monsters that get sent up and they're the undead buckner family and so basically the whole movie they're trying to run away from these zombies and not get killed and Everyone dies, technically. Literally um, everyone. Everyone on Earth. So, obviously, Jules is the whore, like I said earlier when we were going over the cast. So, Jules, unfortunately, dies first. And then Marty supposedly dies, but he doesn't. We find out later. Spoiler. And then the other three are trying to escape. They can't escape because the tunnel was caved in. So the people downstairs, all of it is like orchestrated to complete this prophecy. Because if this prophecy is not completed, we all die. End of the world. Apocalypse. Bye bye everyone. Bye. But fast forward, everybody's dead. Dana is about to die. Everyone in like the facility area celebrating whatever because it's been done. Because they're the only ones left. Japan, we find out later japan's failed failed so it's just us now so they're all celebrating Woo-hoo! and then the director calls and they're like someone's still alive so they're we like got a problem <laughs> we got a problem so dana can't die because she has to be last anyway so marty saves her he has discovered a secret hatch that they don't know where it leads but he rigs it. It's an it's like an elevator thing, and they're inside of this like box. And he gets it to go down, and they become a part of this like. Because I was thinking that they become like a scary adult version of Monsters Inc. You know, like all the doors they go up and then it's kind of like the adult version, scary version of Monsters Inc. Wait, you did say that, but yeah, basically there's just hundreds of these like cubes that are. Like moving, just like like Catherine said, Monsters Inc. And um, 
you can see it's glass. You can see all these monsters and it's scary. (laughs) So Dana and Marty and the elevator opens and they are trying to hide from these people because they have security guards after them because Marty has to die. So they're trying to kill Marty. And so they hide in this little like room and they see a big red button and it says, and they're like should we so they press this button and there's like tons of like armed security like military officers like surrounding this like corridor of like just a bunch of elevators and they're like what's that noise because they could hear like the elevator sound of like elevators coming down and they're just like and then all of a sudden they're like oh shit and then you hear the all the little elevators go ding, and then all of a sudden, just a bunch of fucking monsters just come out of all these elevators and just start destroying all these like. Gosh, it's very funny. It probably doesn't sound funny the way we're talking about it, but if you watch this movie, it has so many just amazing comedic points. It's so funny. Yeah, it's so funny, the, and the, it's the comedic timing is on point with this movie. It's it's oh, insane. Yes. Like, there's this whole, like, side plot where one of the scientist guys wants the mermaid man to be picked, the merman to be picked so bad to be one of the killers that attack these kids. Yeah. And he talks about it throughout the whole movie, like, little tidbits. And, of course, ironically, the merman is the one that kills him. And so it's this glorious moment of, like, slow-mo, and you just hear, like, the flopping of fish coming toward him. And he's like on the ground. And then as soon as it like comes into view, he's like, oh, come on. And then he dies. He gets, yeah. he gets eaten. Yeah. But it's great. Chef's kiss. If you, if you, if you aren't scared of the movie, then you will find it funny mm-hmm. at that point. Yeah. It's, it's very funny. Catherine was laughing a lot when we were watching this movie. It's, but yeah, they're down there. They're trying to escape and find a way out. And then this is, they're like near the end they find this like sacrificial area looks like it's all rocky and down below you can see like little glowy things and it looks like thing that we don't know what it is some otherworldly thing then the director comes down which is Sigourney Reaver and she gets her little like 10 minutes of this or five ten minutes of this movie And she's explaining the whole thing about the gods and the sacrifice and how it's been going on for years. And it keeps them down below and not roaming the world if they do the sacrifice. So she's trying to convince Dana that she needs to kill Marty. She almost does, but then a werewolf attacks him. Anyway, so the director ends up dead. The werewolf ends up dead. And then it's just Dana and Marty. And they're having like a smoke and things are crumbling because the sun is rising and the world's going to end soon because the prophecy wasn't fulfilled. And they're just having a good old smoke and toke and talking. And then all of a sudden, the big ass hand comes from the bottom of the ground and crushes the cabin. And, and then you roll the credits and that's it. And so the world ends. You know, you know what I think was funny is I, I feel like this is a hint towards horror. And they said, it's just Japan and the U.S., and they were like, it always is. And I feel like it was like a hint towards horror movies. Japan is always just a step above the U.S. and gore and horror oh, yeah. and like all that stuff. Probably. I don't know. 
It probably was, because that is definitely true. J- Japan makes some really good horror movies. Yeah. Ooh, so scary. Anyway, but now we're gonna we're gonna jump into some like little tidbits of info that I have on the movie. Fun facts with Haley. Kind of. <laughs> oh. Kind of. Kind of. The filming of this movie began March 9th, 2009. Oh, shit. Took a long time. 2000, 2009. It was filmed in Vancouver, and they finished mm-hmm. filming in May of 2009. Why did it take so long to... I will explain later. I'm glad what, you what, 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 why, what, what if I just said, I don't know. I mean, I was going to take that answer as, as face value. There is a reason that it took forever. Joss Whedon, he he said, I quote, that this is a loving hate letter to horror. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And then I have the full quote here that I will read. He said, quote, it's a serious critique of what we love and what we don't about horror movies. I love being scared. I love that mixture of thrill, of horror, that objectification slash identification of wanting definitely for the people to be all right, but at the same time, hoping they'll go somewhere dark and face something awful. The things that I don't like are kids acting like idiots. Devolution of the horror movie into torture porn and into a long series of sadistic comeuppances. Drew and I both felt that the pendulum had swung a little too far in that direction. Okay. So, I mean, so he, I doesn't like, he doesn't like horror movie tropes? Is that what he's saying? Like... Basically, so okay. all right. The horror horror movies would not be where they are if we didn't have the tropes that we have. I was like, okay, it's love hate relationship for Josh. Okay, okay. Anyway, which they do a good job of making fun of it in the movie. But yeah, the the guys the guys great. Love, mm. The facility, you know, the whole like control room, the elevators, all uh-huh. that. It was filmed in the British Columbia Institute of Technology's Aerospace Building. Ooh, okay. And so for a lot of blood like, to be put all of. I know. And I felt about it because I'm like, dude, because that when I read that building was like never used for filming. No one ever filmed in it. Like it was like brand spanking new. Oh, wow. <laughs> I bet you there's still blood from that blood basket. Oh, probably. In like for little sure. seams of the, the wall. Or like, you know, in the elevators where they have the little like tread path before you walk on. It's definitely in there in the cracks. Somewhere, unless yeah. they legit, unless they legit like took Q-tips and we're just like cleaning out the bosses. <laughs> and then, as I said, there were a lot of monsters and things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There were so many that it's literally, it's estimated to be up to like a thousand different, different like, yeah. Holy and, shit. Or, or a, well, a thousand people were put into oh. makeup just, Holy. just to be turned into one of, like, of the 60 different monsters that they had that weren't CGI'd or anything. Yeah. And it also, they, I know they, they started, they started creating, like, this, the, the prosthetics and stuff for these monsters back in December of, of 2000. Holy moly. And, and they weren't supposed to start till January, but due to like the mass amount of monsters that they needed, the producers and stuff were like, um, start a little sooner, just a little bit, a little head start. Yes. <laughs> and 
they had anywhere between 70 at most 140 people working on these prosthetics and shit for basically like each person had like two tasks at least yeah and they still like that's just crazy like just to complete all that yeah when i was watching the credits i was like of course there are so many makeup artists of course there are so many special effects artists of course there are so many like all of these things because the 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 credits were riddled with people who were doing sfx makeup and stuff so apparently they were trying to do like a collaboration i would say with left for dead 2 oh yeah they were gonna have like downloadable content pertaining to the film for the game but mgm had financial problems Mm -hmm. so that that got saved on the yeah on the content a but valve which is the game software company that created left for dead 2 they they did allow some of the monsters from the game to be in the movie yeah so that was cool that's cool i love it like too i know me too (sighs) so as you asked me earlier why did it take so long yeah why did it take so long so i was correct so october 23rd 2009 is when it was originally supposed to come out got delayed to february 5th of 2010 and then delayed to January 14th of 2011 to be converted to 3D, which never happened. And then June June 17th of 2010, so before the anticipated date, MGM mm-hmm. stated that indefinite that there was going to be an indefinite delay of the film due to money problems. It was already made. Yes. I know, but like distribution, I don't even, I don't know, but, but basically there's money problems. So they, it, they weren't going to release it and they went like bankrupt or something. I think March 16th of 2011, new MGM chief executives announced that they were selling the right, the distribution rights to Red Dawn and the Cabin in the Woods, which were the last two films made under the old owners MGM. of MGM. Yeah. Yeah. And they were like, we don't want it. So April 28th, 2011, Lionsgate okay. was like, we want it. We want you. So July 20th, 2011, they announced that they had acquired the Lionsgate announced that they acquired the distribution rights and they set the official date for April 13th, 2012. And then it did. Okay. No. And it, yeah. yeah. Um, on the bright side, though, Goddard, the director, he did, he stated that it was like a, it was a quote, dream deal because he said it fit the movie a lot more than MGM that Lionsgate owned it now because a lot of the movies that quote unquote inspired the movie, Wait. which that makes sense. And then he he said, quote, it took two years longer than expected, but Lionsgate didn't make them change anything. Like, they left it the same. They didn't have them cut anything. Oh, cool. I feel like I feel like it would have cheapened the message if they had made it 3D. Yeah. 
I, I do think that there would have been some cool shots if they had made it 3D, but like, you know how like you can tell when you're watching a 3D movie that's not 3D right now? Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't see that many scenes that would translate into a 3D, like, jump scare. I think that you could do a lot of things, but if it wasn't originally intended to be a 3D, could you even do that? I don't think it would make any sense because, like, I'm thinking about the film now and I don't think there was any, like, back, like, in your face. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I was, I'm not understanding how they would have just two years later made it 3D. Okay. And my last little bits before we get to the ratings. So for Fangoria Awards, they were nominated for Best Screenplay, Best Supporting Actor, Best Wide Release Film, and Best Makeup Slash Creature FX. And they all won that. Wow. But which actor do you think they're talking about, Catherine? Marty. You are correct. Yeah, for sure. Our boy Marty. Yeah, I mean, he was the only reason that the movie turned around. I was kind of what uh, he was definitely the the shining star. He was the final girl. He literally was. And then, oh, I don't know how, like, I know we talked about this when the movie was, when we watched the movie, but I don't know how all these people died from, like, one-shot kills, you know, like, like an arrow through the, or a machete through the neck, and then all of a sudden, fucking Dana, she's the last one, and she's getting Uh thrown across the dock for, like, 20 minutes. Yeah. And then she, like, gets attacked by a werewolf, and she's, like, not dying. I mean... She's hurt, but she's dying. <laughs> right. I mean, maybe it's just because she's, you know, the virgin or the innocent. And, like, she has to be able to stay around longer. True. She has to suffer, they said. Yeah. It's got to be tough. But some some juice, some juicy tea that I found about this movie. There was tea. There was tea. There was oh, a lawsuit. Why? There was a lawsuit, surprisingly, on April 13th of 2015. Author by the name of Peter Gallagher. Hello. He filed a copyright infringement against Whedon and uh, Goddard because he claimed that the similarities of the film and of his 2006 novel, The Little White trip a night in the pines were just they were just so similar that it was he basically felt like that they stole his idea did they have to pay him sorry no you're fine so if he was basically asking for 10 million dollars in damages and he involved whedon goddard lionsgate and five like Five months later, the case, the judge, yeah, the judge from what I could read was he said that the the premise of some friends going to a cabin on vacation, getting slaughtered one by one, it's such an overused right. horror show, right? And the movie itself is satire of like of like horror tropes in in other films so it's it's exactly that is like if you used 
just like the such basic tropes in your book, that's on you. You know what I mean? Right. What I did, because I was curious, I was like, is that is that really it? Like, is it just because it's some kids going to a cabin that get murdered, right? So I looked up a video about, okay, basically from what I could, I didn't obviously read the book in right, the short amount of time, but basically the premise is the same. It's the five characters, they go to this cabin, apparently the... The characteristics are the same, which I'm like, yeah, that's the stereotypical like tropes, right? Right. Right. But basically they're all being like murdered by, I don't know if it's a serial killer or what, but they're being murdered by something. And then, but after like most of them get murdered, I think there's like two characters left and then they find cameras in the cabin and they're on like a reality, like horror show. Or something like that. And I guess it, from what I could find, it was a very like exact same twist as Cabin in the Woods. And another thing that I found was that the author himself, he's he self-published his book. He didn't have any like big company behind him or anything to support him. But he was basically going down Venice Beach in Santa Monica and he was just giving out his book to people and he was like here like read this like he he was doing that for years and it took off and it became a cult classic and one of the big evidence points that i came across was i guess drew goddard lives in santa monica or or at least did so a lot of people were were like maybe he did take it from this like it's all alleged you know so Mm -hmm. I see both sides. I see why he could be upset because it, it is very similar, but it's just different enough that I mean, I mean, it, I'm not, it is. I'm not saying it's easy to come up with this idea of the cabin in the woods and like there being something else behind everything. Like it's not like a common thought, but I mean, it wouldn't be that hard for more than one person to have that same thought, right? And it's a satire on horror tropes. So, of course, it's going to have a lot of similarities if you write a book about satire horror tropes. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. I think that, first of all, the again, the cabin in the woods tells you off the bat that this is, like, not just kids going to the woods. And from what I can tell that his book is, like, it's a plot twist that they're actually on a reality show. Yeah. And so there's that. Second of all, a reality show and an ancient curse, kind of different, you know? It's yeah. just, it, it, like you said, it's just different enough that, like, kind of can't, you can't say that that's the same. Yeah. Well, then you're saying that what, you know, Halloween and Scream are the same? Like, how, how, how similar does something have to be? If someone's chasing someone around with a knife, is that the same? True. So, like... I don't know. That's what. That's all I'm saying is like, it's it is it is just different enough. Unfortunately, you know, it's like and sleepaway camp and Friday thirteenth. Exactly, because it happens at a camp, and people start getting off. Is it? Is it? Is it? Is it plagiarism? I mean, he's probably going to say that till his till his last breath that Cabin in the Woods plagiarized his his book, and that's fine if that's what he feels. 
It's very valid. Yeah. But he's also not the first person who's set teams up in the woods. That's true. He didn't come up with that in 2006. I'm just saying. <laughs> and there's a lot of there's a lot of media that's like people are set up to do something that they didn't know is is being recorded and and set up somewhere or I mean I think that if if he was going to if he was going to put anyone in like some sort of I don't know lawsuit I would I would sue the rental. Oh yeah. Right. I can't okay. see both of their arguments though I guess. I would have to read the book to be honest, but I yeah. think I could probably see both of their arguments. Yeah, I I do want to read the book. It sounds good, but yeah, that sounds good. It's called what is it? It's called a little. It's called the little white trip, a night in the pines. So all I have on the movie, but now we're gonna jump into ratings, Catherine. Yes. What would you rate this? Did Did you like this movie? Like, would you recommend it? Would you rate it? Yes. Or what would you What would you rate it? Uh, yeah, I I love this movie. I said this last night. I I thoroughly love this movie. I think it's a great movie. I think that it uses horror and comedy in a very even kilt, and it's like perfectly done it to me. Like the horror and comedy parts. What I would rate it, I would rate it an eight point five out of ten. Okay. What would you rate it, Haley? I would rate it an eight out of ten. So pretty high up there. I also, as well, thoroughly enjoy this movie. It's, it's fair. It like Catherine said, it does everything that it sets out to do very well. It makes fun of the tropes. It, it's just the right amount of creepy to still be considered a horror movie. It's got blood. It's got comedy. It's got likable characters. Like, there's not one character that I that I actually like hate. In this yeah. film, like it's it's just you're, you're you're just with certain characters long enough to actually like like them. Like I didn't hate Jules, and she's the first to die. Like I right. actually genuinely like Jules, and she's a good friend. Like they they definitely build the relationships very well. The only one that I don't think was built very well was probably Holden. He's not as well like built. Like he is a gentleman. I don't know. I feel like we know more about the other characters than Holden. Anyway, but yeah, I would also, I would give it an eight out of 10 and I would highly recommend this film. It's, it's just horror enough for horror fans. And it's just not horror enough for people that are like, eh, you know? Yeah, yeah I agree. It's a good campy like sleepover movie. It definitely, yeah, it's a really fun sleepover movie. I think that anybody could get behind watching it, even if they aren't like the biggest fan of horror. It ends, it does get kind of bloody at the end, though. So if people are queasy with blood, they might not enjoy it. But I think that you could definitely watch this with a, a number of different types of people, even if they're normies. You know what I mean? Our good old friends at MDIB, they rated it a 7 out of 10. Okay. And our tomato boys, give it to me, they rated... 92% that that's really good that that's really that is really good that's exceptional, exceptional. good job tomato boys 
I don't even, so in my notes, I used to write RT for Rotten Tomatoes, but I literally yeah. write, I, I just write Tomato Boys with a Z now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, me too. Like, Tomato Boys, we need that merch, bro. Like, yeah. We need Tomato Boys merch, and we I think that we need a Tomato Boys theme song. I think it needs to be a boy band. Like, boys, we are the boys in motion, but like, we're boys, we are the tomato boys. We give you our reviews. We are the boys, the tomato boys of reviews. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Something like that. I was thinking that, like, boy band style or mm-hmm. Veggie Tales. That was crazy. Yes. Thanks for bringing us Cabin in the Woods, Haley. Thank you for listening to me talk about Cabin in the Woods. It was um, either going to, sorry. No, go ahead. It was either going to be this or Cabin Fever. So Cabin was a common theme. Yeah. Another movie that could probably have been like, you plagiarized me or vice versa. Oh, true. Spooky Babes. Potentially next week, we might talk to you about some cursed movies. Do you have anything to tell Spooky Babes before we go? Spooky Babes, thanks for listening to us ramble about a movie. And I hope you enjoyed it. And go go watch it. Hope you enjoyed it. I hope you're having a good day, week, month, year. Good, a good, just a good hour that you're sitting with us. Yeah, but we love you. And we will talk to you all next week. And back to you, Catherine, with the sentimentals. Before I get to the sentimentals, if you like our podcast, if you really could, it would be really helpful for you to rate it five stars wherever you listen to it. We would wow, greatly appreciate it. And follow us on Instagram at Saturdays for the Goals. And then after this shameless self-promotion, just remember, we care about you. We love you. The world is a better place with you in it. And I know that some days are really hard to get through and that no matter what, you have us on your side. And just because we said so, you should go give yourself a treat, whether it's a cookie, a coffee, a a little mystery toy from the store. Just treat yourself with something little and we will see you in your nightmares.